Hello and welcome to the Sense of Place podcast. Now in today's episode we're going to be looking at the role Sense of Place plays in film and TV. And today's guest is actually my brother Liam. So he's studying film and English at university and to be honest he's always been quite a massive film buff so he was kind of the perfect guest for me to chat to. Now before we get into today's episode I'll give you a brief overview of some of the things we chat about. So firstly, the strong role travelogues, slow cinema and animation can play in creating a sense of place. How our identities are tied to place and how this is presented in film. How the environment of a film can suggest things about a character's personality. The great influence film and TV can have in making people want to visit a location. And in turn, how this can create a false sense of place. And finally, the positives and negatives this creates for places through increased tourism. I think this is a really insightful episode, even if you're not a film buff and you know you just enjoy watching the telly or going to the cinema now and then. I think it will really change the way you look at landscapes within films. But anyway, we'll crack on with the episode now and I hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. I'm here with my brother Liam today who is a film buff. <laughs> Hello. We're going to be talking about sense of place in the context of film. So before I get into the questions, I'll just I think I'll just give a brief summary of what I feel sense of place in film to be. So I'd say it's kind of a combination of the geographic, topographic and cultural features and it kind of reflects a person's identity or a group of people. Um, I think it can be slightly different to, say, sense of place we get when we step in a building or we go to a gorgeous landscape or something because we're not physically there. You are most of the time watching somebody else experience that sense of place. It's not always yours. But, I mean, that's not to say... A film can't evoke a strong sense of place in you. Of course it can. Mm. But um, so in a nutshell, that's kind of what I'd say sense of place in film would be. I mean, it obviously expands more and we're going to get into that. But I think we'll start by asking Liam, could you give us some examples of films that you've enjoyed and have evoked a strong sense of place for you? I don't think there are films that don't evoke a strong sense of place just because the way cinema was born was through spectacle and travel logs, which is like, you know, the main aim of the early films was basically just a kind of escapism that, you know, just mimicked real life. You were just representing places and the sense of a place. By the way, what's a travel log? Because people in the 1800s can just go anywhere they wanted to. Most people couldn't, you know, there was no, there was no tourism industry. So the next best thing is like cinema, isn't it? Essentially. So they basically got to experience visiting somewhere and living a different life through film. I suppose. But in the early films, there there was barely any plot. It was just kind of, um, you know, I'm thinking of one specifically. I don't remember who it was by, but it's just a film of a, of a train coming towards the camera and that's, you know, considered like an incredibly important early film. But that's all it is, is just a train coming towards a camera. It wasn't until 
the 1900s, the 19, mid 1910s, 1920s, when plot comes into films, you know? Yeah. So what I'm saying is that film has more in common from, from its conception with architecture and, well, architecture rather than literature. Like, I think we tend to characterize film as, you know, because so many, say, Hollywood features now, it's, it's you know, adaptations, adaptations of comic books. That's like the thing now. Adaptations of books, blah, blah, blah. So there's a tendency to think of, because of the um, way that scripts are written and, and adapted from literary sources, we tend to characterize it as if it's something that's come from literature, but that's not the case. It was, wasn't like that. So I think that in a way explains how the sense of place is so prevalent in films, because that's what it's doing. Even the most abstract film where it's, you know, there's no plot or it's not a, dra- a social drama or whatever. It's, it could be anything just, filming a an apple for five minutes you know there is a sense of place within that because it's recreating a place it's representing something on screen yeah no that's very true and I obviously I wouldn't have thought that obviously it completely links back that's how it all began what you're saying pretty much but at the same time like um the film school I go to is uh very academic there's no you don't do any practical work so it's very much focused on studying and one of the modules we did had uh, a part on slow cinema quote unquote slow cinema which I guess if you were trying to think of specific examples of films that evoke a strong sense of place I suppose it would be this idea of slow cinema but I'm not entirely convinced by the idea of there being a cinema of slowness. What is slow cinema? It's basically films that are slow <laughs> with with minimal editing and, you know, really long takes. I think this is the thing because I already liked films like this before I ever went to film school and knew about it. Is this like Blue is the Warmest Colour vibe films? No, like just... I'm thinking more like Asian. There's a director I like called Simon Lang and Apishat Thong Wirasothakul. I've probably just butchered his name, I'm sorry. But then also, you know, Russian directors and stuff like Tarkovsky. They're very slow films. But this is the thing, because when we did it at school, the, the teacher would talk about how it's characterised by, you know, boredom and da-da-da-da-da. But I'm like, mm, I don't find it boring. <laughs> you know? To me, it's just like any other film. It's just you just have to approach it with empathy and be open-minded. And yeah. I don't know. But I guess in a sense, there is a stronger sense of place, you could say, because there's so little editing and and the takes are just let, you know, they run through that the acting is allowed to, you know, fester without being cut up with with reverse shots and stuff like that. So, yeah, there is there is a cinema of supposedly there is a slow cinema, but I'm just not entirely convinced by that. And I think that anyway, cinema is inherently from its birth it's about evoking a sense of place whether that be abstract or avant-garde or or being you know social realism or whatever but I was also thinking about animation and why I like animation I think the reason I like animation so much is because of the set this sense of place that's evoked in it not even so much a sense of place but just it's funny because it's something that's so 
when you think about realism, I guess people have an idea of what realism is in films. You know, it's a shaky camera. It's like a gritty gray color, you know, it's like a certain texture and stuff. But if you watch a Studio Ghibli film, you know, there is a, there's a, a heightened sense of realism because everything in an animated film has been painstakingly put together from nothing. Everything's absolutely, I mean, obviously many films will storyboard before they go into production, but, you know, an animated feature, there's nothing you can overlook. Everything has to be drawn. Everything has to be thought of and processed. And Mm. like a good example is, have you seen Whisper of the Heart? No. The Studio Ghibli film? You know me. I've seen like no. I feel like you might have. I don't know. I probably would have made you watch it. Where the girl is like a bookworm and... And at the beginning, they play the song Country Roads. Is that and the she, one where like, she, she lives in the little book. house? That like, and she's, <laughs> maybe I have seen it, I don't know. Well, anyway, that's a, I feel like that's a good example. The opening sequence always moves me so much because of the sense of, the, the sense of place that it evokes. Basically, they play the song Country Roads, which is kind of like contrapuntal, like it's like ironic in a way, because it's in West Tokyo. Mm. And she's just, it, it begins from afar with these really like um, wide angled shots, basically of the city at night in the summer. And I don't know, it just really strongly evokes that sense of a city being in the summer. And there's something wistful and melancholic about the fact that they're playing country roads when it's, you know, it's about a girl who's basically quite poor. Also, no one ever really discusses that either, how often in Ghibli films, the, the family dynamics are kind of, in that film, she's quite poor. They they live in I don't know what you would call it in in Japan, but obviously it's like council housing, like the projects. Yeah, yeah. And the mum goes to university, and the dad's kind of like I don't know. And it's basically the two sisters like doing it for themselves. You kind of get get that impression, and I don't know. There's just it just paints this really vivid image of what it's like. Obviously, we grew up in South London, so we know what it's like in a way to you know be in a city in the summer at night and she it's just the camera gradually gets closer to her we see her crossing the road and she's just in her like little hot pants and t-shirt she's just going to the corner store to get like a drink or something classic i always just found that so moving and it's just you know you look at the background art and think about how they've had to painstakingly create that from nothing and in a way you know even though animation you might think of as the antithesis to realism it's not at all because it's almost heightened realism because they've had to think about these things and they've, they've painstakingly created Yeah, it. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I think that's what's so appealing about it to me. Like there's something beautiful about it because it, it, it has to find what's beautiful in real life in order to recreate it. It's insane, like, and that's really true. And yeah, I think people probably do overlook that in some ways as well. Mm. I mean, even in a Disney film, I'm talking about Ghibli just because I like Ghibli, but, you know, obviously a, a Disney film, especially a Pixar film. Toy Story 4, that was insane, wasn't it? The detail in that. It was wonderful. It was so good. Yeah, no, I, it, that's a great example. Like, because think how we, we often talk about this, but, you know, how vivid this, the kind of aesthetics of that. I was saying to you how that was, um, that's one of my first films I remember you know, being like two or three watching Toy Story and everyone has that 
vivid impression of those clouds on the wallpaper and mm. the lighting it's so attentive that's like in a way that's a groundbreaking film because well obviously because it's a cg film you know it's yeah it speaks for itself but just in terms of the lighting and set design i guess you could call it i don't know it's just so attentive and so emotive and you know it's it's kind of a non-verbal thing you can't really explain what why that kind of imagery is so important but the end of the day it just is and it it makes such an impression on people and in you know in in the fourth one they kind of main they maintain that aesthetic and bring it forward and with the new technologies constantly being developed toy story is just one of those films that captures that emotion all the way through isn't it it really yeah and it's hard to say it's like what is it you don't really know but it's almost from the sense of place well it's just like you say those those clouds you, it's like familiar it's familiar you know it and then they like in the last one when they did it's the music it's everything it's just we always said didn't we we used to love it when they went to pizza planet yeah of course yeah like again that's like a, so i mean so thousands of people will have been you know had some yeah. kind of vivid impression of that it's hard to explain what it is it's just you know yeah. it's so iconic now it's hard to think of those characters, well, not, let's not talk about the characters because we're talking about a sense of place, but, you know, those environments. But, like, even Pizza Planet and the, the um, Sid's room, Sid's room made such a big impression on me, the dark green, the, the house, you know, the dark green of the carpets and, yeah. and the walls and just the textures and stuff like that. Yeah, of course, it's, it's painstaking recreating that, you know. I think Toy Story for me and probably for you, like we were just saying, that's one of, I think that's probably one of the most, you know, the films that really touches you in that way. Cause it's yeah. just, that is just, as soon as you hear that music, as soon as you see that bedroom, as soon as you see Pete's play, all of those places and they just, I get a happy feeling. It makes me happy to be honest, seeing, seeing that. Yeah. And it's, they're just such good films and they are always very emotional. There's always a theme running through them. Yeah, they're very philosophical. <laughs> they are. It's very, it, I think that's the thing as well. It's just life. Like it's very, although they're action packed, the life theme is kind of very ordinary and relatable. Just. It's very consistent throughout all of yeah. them as well. The kind of, yeah, those themes. Like the fourth one, it was like he's moving on, life moves on. It just shows you that the, the sort of it's bittersweet, really. I felt, mm, but in a way, they're all about a sense of purpose. Yeah, and how you know, even from the first one through to the fourth one, it's all about purpose and how and wanting to be loved. I think, and I think as well for people our age too, it's just like you follow you've kind of grown up at the same rate as Andy in a way so it's that as well that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you you can relate in that sense too because it's followed your childhood through to your adulthood mm. in terms of sense of place as well it's interesting to think about how films like Toy Story then you know it's a franchise you know that sense of place the impression of that partially comes from you know video games and all kinds of things that within the franchise. Like I was just thinking of, um, I was talking about the wallpaper the, the, with the clouds on it, but part of, of what that is is from, you know, the Sega game on the Mega Drive. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, my God. I could, yeah, I completely forgot. Yeah. yeah, but it's just funny that, you know, 
they're, they're obviously intentionally creating these iconic images that are the building blocks of the sense of place in a film and they recognize what they are and put them into you know everything else yeah they consistently show up don't they yeah 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 so it's it's it, that, I think that's testament to them knowing what they're doing and thinking about it in a deep way you know I think this would be a good point to link mm. do you think characters identities can be shaped and influenced and tied to place yeah of course yeah of course yeah I totally think that I think that's important as well but often in film you know in terms of casting films and stuff there's often like blind I feel like people talk about blind casting and things like that do you know what that is no blind castings when the casting director will just cast anyone of any race in a role Mm. that kind of thing and in a way that's touted as a sort of liberal thing to do but I find that I think that's so reductive why would you you know if a a white person has written a role and it's blatantly a white character why would you cast a black person in that role it doesn't do anything you know what I mean it's like reductive because in a sense you're you're ignoring the fact that all intersections come you know in terms of politics of identity and class and gender and sexuality and blah 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 you know all of that is tied to place you know it's where you grew up like why it just seems so reductive when you know, what you really need is black writers writing black roles or black characters mm. and Asian writers writing Asian, you know, and so on and so forth. I think that's so reductive because it's just, yeah, because it's just like neglecting the fact that characters' identities are shaped and influenced and tied to your place, where you're from. I mean, think we're brother and sister. We talk kind of similarly because we're from the same place, you know. Just it, People in real life are shaped majorly by where they're from, you know. They're shaped. Yeah. That's the main influence on what makes you you is where where you're from and where you're born and where you live your life. So yeah, I totally think characters' identities are shaped and influenced and tied to place. And that I think that's a problem, like, you know, ignoring that reality. I think that's not just in film, that's just reality in general, you know. People are shaped by place. What did you think about, for example, then with the aerial casting and obviously when they made uh, Ghost in the Shell? Oh, I like the aerial casting, yeah. I don't really have an opinion on that because I don't really know anything about it. Because that's just like a fantasy film. It's not like some... <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's about a mermaid. It's not real. So it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I guess you could say blind cast, But th- that's probably not blind casting. That's probably like intentional. I'm, yeah, I think that's good. Ghost in the Shell, obviously, like, I feel like I don't even need to say. It's just stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that is, that is a really, like, iconic character, you know? That's, like, years and years people have known that character. I mean, I guess you could say the same for Ariel, but the, the point is that Ariel is just, like, a mermaid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas um, the major, you know, that's such an, like, that's... It's not the same, is it? So... But also it's just, you know, it's always a good thing when, you know, a non-white actor is getting paid to have a role in Hollywood. That's always going to be a good thing. I mean, so in that sense, blind casting is fine, but but just in terms of a story, you know, if you're denying where they're from and, you know, if it's just a white writer that has no idea what it's like to be, you know 
it's like a, a middle class white male writer writing role for a it's just like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I 100% agree with that because it's it's not genuine, is it? They're just this guesswork. They can read stuff, but they've not actually felt what the living that life is like. Yeah. Like, it's not coming from the heart, really, is it at all? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's totally true. So, I wanted to shift gears a little bit now and discuss the importance of landscape playing a central role within cinematic space. So, you know, if you think of a landscape within a film, let's say a Western, a gritty drama, a horror, that landscape tends to give the film narrative. You know, it gives it context on a historical and social mm-hmm. level. And I wanted to ask you whether you think that the landscape has more of a subconscious influence on a viewer or it's something that you take into consideration when watching a film. Yeah, I don't think there, no one, I don't think there are people that don't consider the landscape, but I guess that you could say, you know, it depends on the film because I, you know, I was talking about slow cinema earlier. Well, quote unquote, slow cinema, that's kind of characterized by minimal, you know, cuts, you know, it's like really long takes. And in a sense that can often diminish realism because it draws attention to itself, I think. Like there's not a seamlessness to it. Whereas if you watch a Hollywood feature film, just the editing is so much faster and there's such an emphasis on the chronology of the events. There's so many reverse shots, like, you know, a shot will only be a few seconds, that it is more subconscious in terms of what you're taking in because it's just moving at such a faster pace. You're not, the way you internalise it or, you know, the way you intellectualise it is not, it's not verbal, you know, you're not thinking in your brain when you watch a action feature film, there isn't a voice in your brains thinking about it, if that makes sense. It's more of a affective experience, you know, you're being overwhelmed by it because it's so fast. Whereas if you watch slow cinema, you know, there's yeah. so much time to be thinking about what's happening. Mm. I feel like now that that I watch series way more, whenever I watch a film, I always find everything rushed and I just don't, I know this is talking about characters, but and I, I know the focus is more on them, like you say, because they cut so quickly and everything. But I just, I don't feel, I find it hard to get behind characters mm. and just for, for the whole thing in a film nowadays, I think. Because when you go with the series, you really get to know the people, the area, everything about that world so much more because it's over a longer period, like a slower time. Yeah, I think that that I think especially now there has become a kind of marked difference between it's funny because people talk about TV as surpassing film in terms of production and value and you know the the quality of the content now. I feel like that's a thing you commonly hear in the last 10 years because of shows like Game of Thrones or whatever, but yeah, no, I I would say the opposite. I feel like it's distinguished itself more from film now. Like there are different, there's different, re- like the reason why you would make a certain narrative or whatever into a film or, or even a certain representation of a sense of place, why you would make that into a film rather than a, t- than a TV show, you know, there's a reason for that. Just in the same way as, you know, any art, why, why would you make, write a book instead of a piece of music? You know, there's a reason for it. You want a different kind of representation of, of whatever you're wanting to represent. Yeah, that is true, actually. 
I mean, I suppose because I'm just thinking of the generic Hollywood movies, like, and you go and watch them at the cinema, and I just find it. No, but that's a totally valid thing to say, though. Like, I mean, I, I'm. Sh- it's just because I'm more of a movie guy for like than a TV exactly series. Exactly, you are. You're way more than me. Like, so I've just become much more of a series person these yeah, days. Yeah, no, t- TV I- series are much more character focused. Like a film. You know, especially an independent film or an avant-garde film, you don't really get avant-garde TV, you know, just because of the means of production. Like, you don't you wouldn't really get that. So, the you know, a film can be more thematic or political or da-da-da-da-da, or, you know, maybe even just more evocative of a sense of place. Whereas TV now, you know, like an HBO series or whatever, it's very character-driven. Like, I yeah. can't really think of any TV shows. Up, I mean, obviously, you could have, like, even even a t you know an animal documentary or whatever that's very character driven like it's they they write a plot into it you know it's character driven oh it's crazy no, I was thinking that it was the last oh no which David Attenborough one was it, it was <clears> the <throat> one where he did the different groups of animals and they completely wrote it like a story yeah yeah them. all of them are I think all of them are they're written like social dramas you know yeah it keeps people in it's kind of funny I'd like to see one where it doesn't have any narration and you're just watching it I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. It wouldn't be half as entertaining, I imagine. Even just the music, it's such a tool for narration, you know? No, it is. I The thing with series, though, is I think, yeah, like I said, they're way more. You know the characters on a deep emotional level, which is what I like, which is why when I go back to films, I sometimes find it hard. I'm not saying every film, because obviously you get some films where you mm. really do and they're amazing, but I'm just talking about, like, the generic ones you just see at the cinema, like, you know... Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, That's another thing, because I almost feel like, you know, when you watch a series as well, even with the sense of place, you just, for me, you just know it so well. Like, you know that world, you know how the character relates to where they're living and what's going on, because you see it so often, so much more than in a film where it's cutting Mm, quickly and mm. stuff. And I know what you're saying, though, because there are some films where they would mainly focus on that a lot more, and that's driving the film, but... Overall, though, for me, I just think series give you time to just really know that. It depends what you're seeking as well. If that's what you like, you know, getting lost in a world where the characters are driving it, you know, then... I think I do, like, I think I don't like the rush in some films. I feel like I do like to see every aspect of it. And that's what you get with the series. You really get... The characters and I feel like the place as well. You just do if you're watching something that long. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But even in terms of the editing, I'd still say TV is uh, very fast. Like it's rare that you would just have a scene play out without any cuts. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. most shots will only be five seconds probably before it cuts to something else, maximum. Whereas if you, you know, like I've seen, I saw what was that film? Maybe it was a Hong Kong film. I don't know. It was a Chinese language film. And there was a whole, there was like one shot that went on for like half an hour mm. <laughs> with no interruptions or something like that. You know, when they do these shots that just go, did, are they scripted or they just kind of? Oh, it depends on the film, I imagine. It depends on the director and the writer. I guess they're scripted. I mean, it's just, to, I like it because it's like, I like watching actors act, you know? Yeah. I always think one of the problems with Twilight, obviously I was going to talk about Twilight because I love Twilight. I, I just don't but, get that, like you like Twilight. 
I thought I you'd love it. It's it. my favorite. It's so um, good. It's literally the best. But one of the issues with it is how the way it's cut is really, really bad. As in, it's really blatant when um, they've, they, you know, they've shot a sequence over a few days and then they've like assembled it from a bunch of different takes. I feel like it's really blatant. Especially, I feel like that's partially what contributed to everyone thinking that Kristen Stewart can act. <laughs> because it suddenly will jump from one thing to the next in a shot. And it's like, well, they've obviously just put those shots together. But like I've watched some deleted scenes from it. And obviously they're just one shot just playing out. And it's like, it's letting the actors breathe. It's letting even the sense of um, place, you know, kind of emerge more fully. I, pref- I think I just prefer that. What do you like about Twilight? Like, what do you see in it that's good? Because I just remember watching them when, we, when I was like in the <laughs> early teens of the cinema and I thought, ah, they're all right. But I, I, just, know, I just love it. There's nothing spectacular. <laughs> Is it more, has it just become a cult film now? Is that what it's like? I don't know. I think it needs to be reconsidered, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> it needs to be rethought and re-, re. Yeah. I just think like it's really interesting. Okay. Just a lot that you can read into it as well. I just like the aesthetic and everything as well. I like Kristen Stewart. Do you Stewart. want to talk about Sabrina? Because we know how much you love Sabrina. Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a TV Sabrina- show. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Netflix, so. Well, Sabrina, I think I was going to say the landscape in Sabrina is very the vibe, isn't it? It's just. Oh, like, yeah, it's very attentive aesthetic, like Holly. Uh, not Holly what was I going to say? Halloween. Halloween vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I, I like I like that because I like in terms of sense of place. I like the whole New England like gothic. Like I love that. I think that's so fun. Yeah. Well, speaking of moody vibes and landscape, I was actually reading something recently online that suggested a place can almost act as a character within a film. So, to give you an example, places can reinforce the tone of the human character. So, like a dark depressing landscape would fit that character's mood and personality do you actually think there's any truth in that that a place could act as a character within a film or a tv show yeah i think an environment can suggest things about a character but i don't see what the purpose is in conflating the two like you know the way you would characterize a person or an animal or a living thing you know it doesn't have anything in common really with how you would characterize a place but because because those you know people and animals and living things are, are social an environment isn't going to be social until there are those things in it so i think yeah no i agree like it obviously would suggest things about a character like i was thinking about i love like 90s nihilism and teen movies you know obviously we kind of grew up on like teen films and stuff in the 90s and you know those films are really I think those are always good examples of how environment suggests things about the character. You know, how set design especially will suggest things about character. That's true, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair enough point. I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, I suppose the only time you could probably say a place is acting as a character is when you're talking about, like, when we started this conversation way back when literally the train, that was the film. It was just... Oh, yeah, I sp- yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way, yeah. Other than that, I suppose it's more just 
the place reinforces that the character's personality influences them. But now I'm thinking about it, like if you had a documentary, like I just thought of this film called My Winnipeg, which we had to watch for school. There was a documentary about Winnipeg. And I guess you could say in a sense, that's like the main character of the film. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that comparison. I'm not sure how. But then there are things like, you know, I... I know I just said this, but like set design, you know, I think that's really important in terms of suggesting things about character. I just don't think the the place itself is a character. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I've never I've never seen anything that made me think that or made me think about. No one ever watches a film and thinks about the place as they would a character. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like you know, teen movies and nihilistic movies, especially, you know, they cultivate a really strong aesthetic iconography. Like you know, there's very it's very much like a set. How can I explain it? Like there's icons, you know, there's iconographies that tell you a lot about those things, yeah. about the characters, about the plot, or just, you know, in a non-verbal way. I don't know. Even even looking back at like the earliest teen films like Rebel Without a Cause, you know, I was just, often that's being thought of as, as like the first queer film in Hollywood. I don't know how much truth there is to that because I don't really know much about that era of film or Hollywood, but it's definitely true. I mean, it's clear that they were trying to do that and partially that was achieved through the set design, you know, by having, um, I forget what the character's called, the the younger boy has in his locker, for example, like posters of guys and stuff like that. So it's these kind of subtle codes that they had to develop in order to connote yeah queerness rather because obviously they wouldn't be able to allow to make a film back then you know a hollywood feature that was like gay you know so they had to develop codes like that and i think part of what that is is through set design and environment so yeah, yeah i guess in that sense there is it suggests a lot about character yeah i agree actually to be honest exactly what you said i mean this is just something i read online which i thought was mm. interesting and would be interesting to get a perspective on because to be honest, I as well don't think place can ever really be a character as such. I mean, it can intertwine with the character and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. And also just on on the topic of that Rebel Without a Cause thing, like even, often 80s movies as well, I feel like that's a really good example of how they code queerness through the environment, through set design, through not not just the environment, but through dress and, you know, all these kind of codes that have to develop in order to suggest things rather than saying it outright so in a way it can it can be utilized in a, in a way that informs narrative even if that isn't really written into the screenplay no i was gonna say i remember you telling me about that wasn't it with the old hollywood movies with the beds where they couldn't be in the same bed together so they do like the cut down screen and they had to do all these little tricks and stuff to get around these things oh yeah <laughs> did you forget when you told me that I do not yeah, remember no, telling you, you have. <laughs> I feel like that's the first time I've no, heard you, that. It was you who told me. It was you said it was something to do with early oh, Hollywood and the well, strict. I had a lobotomy, so yeah, <laughs> I'm brain dead. Like they couldn't do sex scenes and stuff like that. And maybe it wasn't you who told me. I think. It was oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's true. Like there's all kinds of codes that have to have emerged yeah no yeah i know what you're talking about no yeah the codes that have emerged and have remained fixtures of films even though there's no point in them yeah. anymore you know most of those codes emerged from i can't think what it's called off the top of my head now but you know there was like a code of oh, 
can't remember what it was called, but it was like the thing that, that you know, controlled Hollywood, what got into Hollywood feature films at the time. And it was very strict. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all those kind of codes had to emerge as a result of that. It was just funny because it's like, it's a bad thing, but it's also part of what gives so much to genre now, even now, you know? Yeah. The way you write comedy, the way, the way you write, you know, especially romantic comedies. What I was going to say, what do you think of, I know this isn't a movie again, but what do you think about Stranger Things in that sense? Because I feel like that's really driven by like the sets and the environment, like the nostalgia for the 80s. Yeah. I feel like it's strange. I like Stranger Things, but I think it's very conservative. It doesn't do anything with its setting. Do you know what I mean? It is literally just a nostalgia factor. Like, there's nothing, it doesn't have anything political to say about the time. It doesn't have it. Like, it's very conservative film, uh, uh, series, rather, I should say. Although, I feel like they might write, um, is it Will? Who is it? <laughs> Will Byers? Is yeah. that, that's Thingy's son, right? Yeah, I feel like they might write him as a gay character, which would be interesting. Don't you think? Because they had that argument where they were like in the second season. Spoilers, sorry. Yeah, I, I got that vibe. Where he was like, just because you don't like girls, da 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 I thought mate, they could do, if they didn't do something with that, that would pretty much prove to me that it's an extremely conservative show because they've just set something up there, you know? I thought that <clears> with the girl thing because he tore his whole little shed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah i yeah i like strangest things but yeah it doesn't go beyond this it's just like reference after reference to 80s films and stuff like that which is fine i like it but it's just like it does not do you know the eight that that era of the 80s like ronald reagan all that's like there's so much i don't know it just doesn't really do anything with it. it's like why is it in the 80s why couldn't it just be now but I still like it. I'm not not it. That's the thing. I don't think. I think when you watch it, I get the vibe that they're just going for extreme nostalgia. Mm. That's all they want to do because they pile it on. Everything in it is just like the most cliched throwback kind of thing. Like it's not. I think that's their vibe that they're going for, isn't it? Just purely. I think it's that. well done though. It's obviously really well researched, and you know the costumes and everything is great, and and it's it's fun. It is fun do that in a way even if you're thinking about the earliest cinema it's like well what is cinema what's the i mean i'm saying cinema but you know what i mean just moving image you know yeah. what is the point of it well in the early days if we're talking about travel logs it's not really about you could basically if you're thinking of that in terms of that was what cinema was back then which has nothing to do with what cinema is now really it's kind of like well why can't they just make a nostalgia piece like it's fine. What's so wrong with that, I guess? But it's more just the fact that it eschews politics. Like, it doesn't... You just get no sense of the actual landscape of the time, social, political landscape of the time, I guess. Well, I suppose, actually, I say that, but, like, clearly that whole last season was about the Cold War or whatever, you know, like the Russians, but I don't know. It depends where they go with it. I just feel like that's kind of not the point. I don't can't see Stranger Things ever doing that because I think it's just meant to be yeah. more of a like escapism thing, like as in just this is just purely yeah. like goofy and kind of. Sci-fi it's cool though. Like that's that's totally valid. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see what happens with it because obviously I was saying to you, I mean, I don't really know what more they can do with this now. I because... felt like it could have just ended there, to be honest. I mean, they're not yeah, going to do same. that. There's I no way well. they will, but it could have just ended there. It was very emotional and, you know. I feel like they would have to bring more political stuff and things to do at the time into it if they're going to keep going with it because what more can they do now if they keep going and doing the same thing you know it's going to run dry i think they could have just yeah i'm it. sick of, i honestly i like stranger things but i'm sick of the whole 80s nostalgia vibe like and just like so over it did you see the new american horror stories like mid 80s as well no i I'm haven't just like oh my god like it's so trite like it's so overdone like, the thing oh. is i feel like 90s nostalgia just the thing now everyone's obsessed with the 90s yeah i mean i suppose they haven't really made much in terms of film stuff to do with the 90s yet but like music and dress and everything it's all like 90s 90s nostalgia so maybe it'll yeah, come to the film yeah. soon we'll see <laughs> Something that is of interest to me is people's desire to visit locations where their favourite film or series was shot because obviously a series and film can have a significant effect on the way, you know, a city's portrayed, a town's portrayed to the wider public. And I wanted to ask, do you do you think you're influenced by a film to want to visit certain places and do you think the power films end up having over places as tourist destinations is a good or bad thing? And obviously the number one that comes to mind is Game of Thrones. <laughs> There's other yeah. I mean we can talk about movies as well, obviously, but I live in Barcelona right now. <laughs> so that's why yeah, and like I want to visit obviously a lot of the Game of Thrones a lot of shots from Game of Thrones were filmed in Spain and kind of cleverly assembled into various places in Westeros. <laughs> I forgot what it was called. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm I was I think this is a really interesting question. Because I was thinking like I want to go to Girona, which is where there's a cathedral there. It's kind of just outside Barcelona. That's where they filmed uh the scene the whole arc of where Cersei is put in I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but it's like basically like the nuns or whatever. The the crazy religious oh, um, times. faction like overtakes the the just gains loads of power, whatever. All that stuff was filmed. The the exteriors of the of is it called the Sept of I can't remember what it was called. The Seven Sanasai? I don't even know. Oh, but anyway, like that, that was yeah. filmed at the cathedral there. So I want to, the, the part where she's being paraded through the streets, shame, 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 that's like filmed in Verona. So I, <laughs> so I want to go there. So it's kind of funny that you asked this question because I was thinking about it myself. I think it's actually quite dangerous because I think people will run away with it and conflate the fictional with, there's a danger of, of fiction and image and iconography in superseding the reality of a place you know the actual sense of a place and it's kind of that question of is the sense of place you know is it within the narrative or the diegesis or is it out of it and there's not so much that the producers or whatever can do in terms of that because it's just that's on the audience if you know what i mean the onus is on the audience like people's insistence to take out the diegesis I think reflects the urge to to have fiction be real. If that makes sense, like why why would you want to visit Girona because it's where they film 
the Game of Thrones mm. scenes. Like it's not actually um, King's Landing. Like it's not actually it. Do you know what I mean? And that's a pla- that's a religious place. That's a that's a place of worship. You know, so there there is a kind of danger in that, I think. But I think that just happens anyway since the beginning of time. Like, think of somewhere iconic like New York. How many thousands, hundreds of thousands of times that's been represented on film throughout since the beginning of cinema. You know, the the image you have of it far supersedes the reality of the sense of place. You just have an image of the sense of place from everything you've seen of it because the iconographies behind it are so strong and influential like i was also thinking another classic one in new york especially because I, I like sex in the city i like the sex in the city how like the the um the apartments from sex in the city like i think people go there just just like stuff like that i'm just like it's kind of this sense of people wanting it to be real and i think there is a bit of a danger yeah. in that yeah don't you think though like when people kind of when they go to see the place as well I feel like sometimes they might be disappointed in a way or just like oh yeah perhaps yeah especially with somewhere like for the Game of Thrones ones I was gonna say I was gonna say more for sort of like the kind of shows like Sex in the City or Friends or something I think that would be more disappointing to people than Game of Thrones and I think that because probably most of it's going to be a set. Like you can't actually go to Central Perks. Uh, it doesn't exist. Whereas, you know, with Game of Thrones, that is a fantasy land. It doesn't exist. but And people actually know that. Like you said before, I think shows like Friends can evoke a false sense of place as it's trying to pass as reality. So, yeah, that were, were you going to say it the other way around? Though? I would have said the other way around just because places like King's Landing or um, there's... Lots of the places in Spain we use for a slaver's bay or whatever it was called. Mm. And like, it's it's not like they just film in one place and that's it. It's like literally it'll be a handful of shots will be shot on location and then they'll go somewhere else because it's that big budget of a show, you know. And then loads of it will be green screen as well. So when you go there, it's not really, it probably won't feel like you're on in Westeros or whatever. Do you know what I mean? That's re- actually that's really true. Yeah. Because because they assemble it from loads of places, and then a half of it mm. isn't even real anyway. It, you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like something Sex in the City, like there's no like CGI or anything. There's no real trickery in how they create the sense of place. It is literally New York. It's filmed on location, as far as I'm aware. No, that that's very true. Actually, I I suppose yeah, because when you go to see a Game of Thrones set you're thinking oh it's going to be all this is going to be how it all looks and like you say it's just snippets it's yeah I mean think place. about um King's Landing is such an iconic place you know for most of it it was in um where was it Dubrovnik yeah is that where it, yeah then obviously they filmed some of it in Spain for for that whole arc with Cersei and, and the religious faction and then the last season they freaking just built it all up from nothing in Belfast. And you'd have no idea that they did that. It literally just, it's so seamless watching the show. You you can barely tell the the difference. I know. If you hadn't watched the behind the scenes, you probably wouldn't even realise that they'd done that. They just built the entire set. So, you know, it goes from place to place and it's just, I think it's great. And it's testament to how a sense of place can be built from tricks, you know, from fake CGI from 
classic trickery, you know? Yeah, no. Which is dangerous. <laughs> the other thing, obviously, as well with places like Dumbrovnik and stuff is just the sheer amount of tourists you get there and for the normal people. Yeah. Like, the people will get, I feel like people will get annoyed at that over over tourism or whatever you call yeah, it. Yeah, because I think, Obviously, films can have some strengths for in that aspect as well for places because obviously people go and see them. Like it would do good for business, but then it gets to the point people actually live there. This is their home, and like, of course, yeah, no, totally. And you hear things about Dumbrovnik just getting completely like trampled with tourists, you know, now. And it, oh, really? Well, I didn't know that. Well, That's if crazy. you think about it... Like, I heard good things about... I always hear good things about um, Belfast, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. There is positives, because yeah, for Belfast, that have massively helped. But I think just... I suppose these places weren't built to deal with that many people. Like, I'm not saying Belfast. I'm just saying I know the Dumbrovnik one. And then, obviously, just kind of like... You hear that about Venice as well. I mean, I don't know what, I don't think that has anything to do with being shown in a film, but certainly, like, I definitely think films absolutely increase a place's interest. People want to go there. Oh, no doubt about it. Well, that's, I think it's one of the main things that builds the perception of a sense of place is a film using a real location, like New York, you know, or, or LA or somewhere like that, you know, classic film locations. Do you not kind of, I was going to say, do you not feel like New York is sort of, is not, I don't know, I was going to say cliched almost, but like it's just so, you see it all the time and in every movie. You feel like you know it, even though you've never been. Yeah. 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 You you kind of, you know, yeah, like we've never been to New York, but you just, when you see it, you know it, you recognize it, you feel like you know what it would feel like to be there just through TV or film. And that might be incorrect i don't know because i haven't been but like you do yeah that's what i mean though it's like the the image is so prominent that it supersedes the actual reality of the place like you go you would go there with a really strong notion of what it's like and it might not even be like that you know yeah and that can be conflated with reality when ultimately you know a film is a film it's it's fake Mm. No, it's a representation of the place, not not the place, literally. Yeah, definitely New York. That's probably the number one. I mean, London. I feel like not doesn't get portrayed in films as much, does it? On that scale, like you see it. But... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, like in the early two thousands when there was like the Brit, what do you call it, like Anglophile thing, the Brit. The Brits in Hollywood. I don't even know. Hugh Grant. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like all those rom coms. Like I feel like there was a bit of a, a, a fixation on Britishness. I, mean, I always think like Prince William and Prince Harry. Like there was such a thing. Do you know? What? I wonder if you went to New York, if it would be different. Because thinking about it, you know, when you watch those movies about London, we obviously know London, and I feel like. It's not like that. Like it's like like they just mm. pick up like the really cliche like yeah, super it's British never... like touristy areas and like everything's happy dappy do. London's yeah, like no, that. You probably. can see the way. It, it, that's that's so funny that you mentioned that because like film the Amanda Bynes. Have you seen the Amanda Bynes film What a Girl Wants? No. That's a classic like Brit fetish kind of mm. film uh, with um, oh what's his face Colin Firth is her dad. 
and she's American. And basically Colin Firth is like a politician in London. And then she lives in New York and she doesn't know who her dad is. And then she finds out and she goes over to London. And it's this whole thing. And, you know, it's funny because in a way you can still feel the influence of travelogue, you know, 1800 cinema in those kind of films. It's about an escapism. It's about giving an impression of, of, uh, of another world. I feel like there's lots of films like that, like the Lizzie McGuire movie, like the Mary-Kate and Ashley films is very much like travelogue-esque. It's about giving you a sense of escape. But I watched that Amanda Bynes film fairly recently, and it's funny how... You know, they'll just cut between areas of London that we know are so far away. Like London's massive, mm. you know, and they're just going from one iconic place to the other as if it's just like, <laughs> you know, you just walk around the block and then there's the London Eye or whatever. But it's it's not like that at all. Yeah, I think that's the image they give of it. It's just it seems so much smaller scale than it is and compacted and they show all the best bits in the movies. Right, yeah, because it's to give an impression, but again, it's not real. It's like a fake impression. It's 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 um built to kind of meet a fantasy of 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 an image. Yeah, I mean, I don't always think that's a bad thing to be honest, because escape. Because not do I. I think yeah. it's nice. Like escapism is nice, but I just mean in a way that is testament to how it can be dangerous because it just shows how easily people are influenced by fake, you know, you can just assemble a representation. If you have the cast there and whatever, people will just buy it. I know, it's crazy. Like, I also think probably if you think about it, a lot of people wouldn't even think that how influenced they're being, like subconsciously they are, but I don't think they Mm. would realise yeah, how much yeah. a film that makes them want to go somewhere and have this perception of somewhere and what it's like because mm-hmm. it completely does. I know this is obviously a bit stereotypical. Not every American would think it, but I think through those Hugh Grant movies and stuff, a lot of Americans get that vibe of that's what all English guys are like. They're like him, and that's that's just the middle class perspective yeah. of London. You know, that's not the reality. Yeah, it's a very, uh, yeah, it's very like. Yeah, to be honest, you know what we were talking about earlier about writing based on your own experience and stuff. I think that is important because it would be intre- like you kind of need. I totally. I think that's the most important thing. It's it's uh, getting non-white people in the behind, not even so much behind, well behind the camera, of course, but writing and producing and being casting directors and stuff like that i think that's how you get important representations that actually are like worthwhile that that, i don't know how well i explain my issue with blind casting but it's more just it's, it's a question of how worthwhile is that and i think a lot i've seen a lot of discourse about euphoria i guess you could see it as like it's not there's nothing really written about her you kind of get the sense that the director and the writer who's a white man has written himself into this role, but it's like, it's played by a black girl. So there's kind of an issue with that, but I don't know. Mm. I don't know how far people would want to push that. I think it's definitely worth discussing that kind of thing. I, that's, I'd like you to watch it and see what you think of that. Cause you kind of get this sense of it. It's like, there are, there's definitely issues in, with that but I still love the show I think it was really good 
Right, well, I think we'll round up there. So thanks for chatting today. Oh, thank you for having me. And the disclaimer is that I'm not a film, like, I just go to school. Like, I don't don't really know anything about what I'm talking about, so. (laughs) So there we have it. Thanks again to Liam for coming on to have a chat with me. And... If you want to find out anything else Sense of Place podcast related, head over to the website, which is www.senseofplacepod.com. Other than that, I'll keep it short and sweet and I'll speak to you again in two weeks.